everybody. It is Saturday night, August, no, September the 4th here, 2010. I'm Walden Hughes, and we'll be getting the town to the Patricia online here in a second. But first, we'll say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the station. Bless all the listeners and supporters. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity and this really nice day. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, Dolo, I'll step up and call Patricia. Radio stations have birthdays like everybody else. And today we are celebrating ours, the 40th anniversary of broadcasting, entertainment, news, sports, and information to the people of the Pacific Coast from San Francisco. It was in 1922 that KNBC, then known as KPO, began program service. Many famous entertainers and many historic events were beamed out over the airways during our 40 years of broadcasting. In 1951, when the NBC radio network was celebrating its 25th anniversary, the then popular comedy team of Fibber McGee and Molly did a special broadcast that eavesdropped on some of the great shows of radio. Since then, Molly Jordan has passed on and Fibber is living in retirement in Encino, California. Twelve years have slipped by since Fibber McGee and Molly's 25th anniversary salute to NBC, and that broadcast is in itself a collector's item. Tonight is one of the highlights of KNBC's 40th anniversary celebration. We will revive that famous broadcast of Fibber McGee and Molly, during which you will hear the voices of Joe Penner, Fred Allen, Ben Burney, W.C. Fields, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy, and many, many other favorites from out of the past, starring Fibber McGee and Molly. Our Silver Jubilee, the 25th birthday of the National Broadcasting Company. Like any birthday, the birthday of NBC is a time for reflection and recollection. Were you listening to Ed Wynn at 9.30 on a Tuesday night in 1932? At 7 o'clock on a Wednesday evening in 1929, were you listening to Amos and Andy? Or were you listening to Rudy Valley's Great Variety Show at 8 o'clock on a Thursday evening in 1934? Ah, these were great moments in the history of NBC, and ordinarily it would be impossible to relive them. But we are fortunate in having had with us for the past 20 years a man to whom nothing is impossible. I refer, of course, to the resident of 79 Wistful Vista, Molly's husband, Fibber McGee. As we look in on the McGee's, Fibber is tinkering with his old 1926 Super Heterodyne radio set. He is, in fact, known as the biggest tinker in radio. Mrs. McGee makes a fairly safe statement. She says... It'll never work, McGee. What do you mean, it'll never work? My gosh, Molly. Let me get this straight again. Huh? You claim that you can fix this radio set so it'll tune in programs that were broadcast 20 years ago? 25 years ago, even. I'm rewiring it so I can tune it to different years instead of different stations, you see? No, I don't. Well, look, Tootsie. According to the McGee theory of radio dianetics, which I'm the guy that thought it up, I claim that when you hear uh, broadcast once, I thought Patricia started up the theory of radio dianetics. No, Didn't you, Patricia? No, but thank you for the credit. I really appreciate it. Happy <laughs> Saturday. It is a terrific Saturday here in Yesterday USA because we're together again. We are together again. Boy, did that week go fast. Woo! My goodness. And it's September. Happy September, everybody. That's right. I hope a lot of people, if they're, if they're not with us, are having a wonderful vacation weekend, wherever you might be, and we're here with you. And we are here. Yeah. Hooray. Now, I, you know, I've, 
we were in time, or I had my ears on in time to hear Fibber say about the different years that he was going to find on the radio. Yeah. And this year we have 19, or this week we have 1945 and 1952. So I have some fun bits of history from those two years, which is kind of neat because I had fun going out and I, I have fun. And because I do it for Saturday night, I feel unguilty. <laughs> So you're telling me if it wasn't for the show, you would feel guilty looking up stuff that you like to do. Yeah, that's true. Oh. That's true. I think that happens with a lot of things in life. Uh-huh. When, when you really have a good time with something, right? even if it's productive work, it, it, it doesn't make any difference. If you're having a good time, we have been raised with this little teaspoon of guilt in our souls that says if you're having a good time you must be being you're letting something important go so thank you for uh, making me feel unguilty well i could you know i, I do that once in a while i reevaluate myself okay is this what i'm really supposed to do even though i'm having such a good time and i'm bringing happiness to people is this what i'm really supposed to be doing yeah, I'm having too good a time. Wait, maybe I should be miserable for yeah. a little while. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can give us a call. Make our day. 714-545-2071. We'd love to hear from you. We're here. We hold down the fort. We're, we're, the, uh, we're the peanut butter between the two breads on the weekend. I'll you know. the jelly. Yes. You, you can be the peanut butter, uh, I'll be the jelly. She's the jelly, I'm the peanut butter, sourdough on Friday and whole week on Sunday, but we're just stuck between the two breads, so... Could, could we just have plain white bread on, on Saturday? Yes, we could. This is good, and that's what we need callers for. We need somebody to be the bread for our sandwich. That's right. You have me set on a four tonight? No, I don't. Let me look. I think I... Four or five there is fine. There you go. There, there you are, three. Oh, no, that's too loud. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't want to lose you. Four or five is great. All righty. You were at Frank and I forgot. I, I, you know, I kept you down there, I, and I dusted it for Frank, and then I said, oh, I better bring you down back. You could then you remind me to bring you down down here. Yeah, because sometimes when it's uh, turned up loud, when a caller calls, it goes, whoa, <laughs> it's, um, it's pretty loud on my end. So I thank you very much for taking care of me. Well, in your time, we can do that. We have a theme tonight. A theme? Yeah. What's the we theme? We have a theme every week. Oh, I know. What, what is our theme for tonight? Well, you were talking earlier this week about summer vacation. Yes. And we actually did touch on that with um, the kinds of games that people played in the summertime. Right. And um, uh, I think it was Casey who called in with Ring Alirio, and there were a couple of other games. But I thought, you know, here it is. September 4th, which is kind of scary, mm-hmm. and that means going back to school time. So I wait wonder minute, wait minute, wait now if the summer is over, if people would call in with their recollections of going to school for the first time. What was it like that first day of school, whether it was kindergarten or first grade or preschool, if, um, if they had uh, preschool opportunities for you. End of summer and having to go back to school what your favorite subjects were, your subjects you absolutely hated, the teachers you loved, the teachers you wish had never been given a red pencil, ever. They didn't deserve a red pencil. Mm-hmm. Playgrounds, playtime activities, anything that has to do with going back to school. What kind of an attitude did you have? Was it different? Um, 
from previous years? Were you happy to go back to school? Were you not happy to go back to school? How about you? Were you happy to go back to school at the end of the summer? I was that 101, 101 days before Christmas. Oh. What? <laughs> Are you just saying that you know, summer fours and I was just walking out wrong? Everybody thinking about get, going back and I said, well, one Christmas. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm, I think we're working on Labor Day this week. <laughs> I'm I'm so easily confused, Walden. We we really do have 101 days until Christmas. I think so. Which means probably 50 days before you start celebrating. Or 30. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, getting back to what you were asking me. Good thing uh -huh. I good thing I'm multitasking the old brain, like while I'm listening and working mathematics out at the same time. Anyway, well, um. It was interesting. I um for California kids, uh, generally school always started uh, about the second week in September, and which was terrible in a way because September it's the it's our summer. It's the hottest time oh, of the year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that's when Santa Ana's uh, wind kicks in. This dry heat. It's those mm -hmm. couple of weeks, you know, and you know. Back in them days, we didn't have air conditioning in classrooms, you know. Yeah. Um, so, as a kid, I remember it being hot and dry. That's what I remember. Um, Did you have to go outside for breaks oh, at yeah. all during the day? Did they make you go outside? Oh, sure. You know, we went out and played ball. We had an hour recess. We had a 50-minute P.E. You know, you bet. We went out and played. Uh, Sometime, I think they would let us go into the gym and do stuff. But mostly, you know, as kids, we were hardy souls. We would go out and play kickball. Or, um, <clears throat> my, the game I was known for, because, um, I am a stocky, strong little guy, as people may or may not know. I'm 5'6 now. Back in them days, you know, I was 5, and I was born really strong. And the game that they would love to do, uh, <clears throat> I, I will clean it up, there's a sort of name what we called it, but it was basically give the ball to Walden, have Walden run around the playground, and he dragged 15 kids around his back around the class, and see if they could, see if Walden would tire out. So that was sort of the, uh, and I loved that, you know. You were the John Henry without the sledgehammer. Yeah, so here's a blind kid being guided by my his little friend Stuart Hull, who, you know, under 100 pounds, and Walden, you know, is stronger than an ox. He's been guy in one arm, he's carrying the ball, and 15 kids are riding around my back. So that, that's what's fun. Did they ever take you down? Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, sure. My goodness. But, it, it, you know, it was always fun to see how many kids I would carry around. Well, I got to meet Walden twice, once in California and once here in Florida. Yep. And I have to tell you, the first time I met you, this stocky, strong person who was standing in front of me was not the way I had envisioned you. Good. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't. I, I have, I, I probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of a point two o. Um, no, point o two o. if we're, if we're playing baseball, <laughs> in terms of conjuring in my mind yeah. what people should look like based on their voices and, um, you know, based on their voices mm -hmm. and what they know and um, how they present themselves and... I'm just never right. Well, I thought you were 40 pounds. Well, good. 
No, I, I, you know, I was a pretty strong kid. I, 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 been, I expected you to be tall and slender. You know, I, she ain't, she ain't me. Cause I, for people who may or may not know, I threw a shot put in high school, and I was benching over 340 pounds. I was a pretty strong little guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Why did I miss the mark, huh? Yeah. But you skinny, skinny little runt. You were I know. a skinny little runt, and you're not. You're I a know. bruiser. I know. Well, this little, squeak, this little squeaky voice I have, you know, fools everybody. Anyway. You don't have a deep voice. No way. That, um, that typically goes with a football player, no. but um, you, you just weren't what I thought you should be. Yeah. Which well. I guess, you know, I mean, how, how should you have been? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. I, I'm just a, a, such a duh when it comes to picturing people, and others can do it so well. The only thing I got right was that Nolan Kenner is left-handed, and that that was a gimme because <laughs> the way he made check marks on a paper. But that's the best that I could ever come up with. Um, other thing is what school meant to me, um, what they did in California, and I don't know what they did throughout the country, you know, Kids that have a uh, disability handicap, uh, in order to properly give them the resources, they broke them up in district. And in other words, um, the, the district I live generally took care of the hard of hearing kids. And this were kids that had eyesight problems was a district that was at least a half hour away. So my bus rides were generally an hour plus each way. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. So since since I was you know nine close to ten, uh, a, a lot of my time has been on buses. And what did you do on a bus for that amount of time? Uh, thank goodness, a couple of things. I was allowed to take my radio, transistor radio, so I listened to a lot of radio. Uh huh. And on Tuesday afternoon, Bob Lyons hosted a Saturday a, an old time radio show on an FM station. Our Bob, Bob Lines. Our Bob right? Lines, yes. Okay. So I used to flip, get on the bus and flip on, and they were listening to some old time radio. What did the other kids do? Uh, some would listen, and a lot of us would talk. Um, a lot of it were classmates, so a lot of it was just talking. Uh, you know, you would see the eight to nine, ten t uh, kids that you saw every day, and Bake would just shoot the breeze. So that's what we did. So instead of doing it in the schoolyard or in the lunchroom, you did it on the bus. You did it on the bus, and um. How oh, cool. Yeah, and uh, uh, my oldest friend in the world, uh, he called in a couple of times, you know, uh, Jeff yeah. Gilbert. Um, I met Jeff at that time in um, 1976, so January of 76. So Jeff and I have been together almost 35 years. Um. That's a lot of buddy time. That's a lot of buddy time. So, um, so anyway, just flashbacking. Um, you know, we we played a lot of play a lot of games, uh, research research games. You know, kickballs and things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, academically, I noticed for me especially, maybe because I'm blessed with a pretty good recall. Pretty good. Pretty good recall. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed like the first six weeks or so of school was nothing but repeat of the uh, what we were learning back in May and June of oh, the following how year. how frustrating that is for someone like you. Yeah. So it was sort of, okay, I'm waiting. Just let me know when mm -hmm. you're ready. I'll be over here when you need me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, 
academically that's uh um you know i i didn't really have homework i don't know when people started having homework i didn't really get homework until a little bit until the fifth or sixth grade but not that much um i i really didn't i saw i guess junior high is when i started to see homework you know um we are talking about school time because summer is over. What do you remember about going to school for the first time, going back to school after the summer break? Your favorite teacher, your unfavorite teacher, um, favorite subjects, subjects you hated, activity time in school. What was it like for you? 714-545-2071. And while Walden is talking about his experiences, I want to remind him that we have our Try to Stump Walden questions. Well, if I keep talking the rest of the night, Patricia will never get to it. Well, Patricia's going to get to it because I think tonight you're going to need rescuing. Oh, which means when people call in, they temporarily defer the question and answer time. And I've got you tonight. I just know I've got you tonight. So uh, Walden may need some help here, 714-545-2071. Who was your favorite teacher? Um, I had a lot, but I'm still in touch with my my. my my fourth, fifth, and sixth grade teacher, uh, Carol Lewis, who um, I just talked to a couple weeks ago. Uh, you had her for three classes in I, a row? Well, basically, years in a row? what we did, what they did for special ed, they would have us integrated in classes throughout the school, you know, mm-hmm. and but we would always have a home period where we catch up and do homework. And I'm still in touch with her. Hello, Nicole. Nope, she, that person's gone. My goodness. Saved by the bell. <laughs> but anyway, Kill, Kill was uh, still a very nice white, a very nice gal, never married. Oh. So her um, her students were really her kids. Now, and did she teach everything in the grade level? Pretty or much. Did she have her particular subject? No, just anything. Anything that a student needed help. Okay, so she was your fifth but, grade teacher, period. Well, it was not like her math that you were no, a well, student or English student no. was your teacher. No, the way it worked, um, I they would fully integrate me in certain classes mm-hmm. with the sighted kids. Mathematics, you know, big surprise, right? You know, math, history, or I don't. But if I need extra attention in uh, reading or spelling or just general. So my day was sort of split half and half, mm-hmm. and so Carol was always sort of the home base teacher for the special ed kids. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, very cool. It's very nice. Anyway, I'm still in touch with her. Um, um, you know, I had some favorite teacher in college, college of course, but, you know, she's the first one that comes to mind. Well, that's nice. Um... It's nice Lunch. you can remember someone so quickly. You don't have to sit and think, well, there must be somebody I like. <laughs> you have one who really comes up as a winner. That's a winner. I mean, she comes over here for dinner. My mom and her will look at their uh, class schedule and decide, hey, are we taking classes together this fall? You know, at college, uh-huh. adult college level. Uh-huh. You know, so we're in pretty good t- touch. Um, 
We need people to call in with their experiences, too, in between, and we lost somebody there, so please call back, 714-545-2071. Was there a teacher you didn't like, which is acceptable? Let me put it this way. Was there a teacher you would prefer not to have had to learn from? No, I I can't say that. I can't, yeah, I can't really, I can't come up with any. That is really neat. Yeah. Hello there, caller. Nope, you disappeared. My goodness, same thing from last week, and we blamed it on Nolan Kenner. I guess it's not. <laughs> We've got somebody trying to rescue you, and it, <laughs> it needs more than just a, um, a dial tone. A lot of time. Um, now, when I was in elementary school, when I had my site, we would eat at the cafeteria. And I remember certain days of the week, we got certain meals. Uh-huh. I remember hamburger was always Thursday. And one day, another day of the week was sort of a mashed potato and meat uh, meal. And so I remember the capture, I think it was uh, 25 or 35 cents for, uh, to, for a hot meal. But many times, growing up, uh, brown bag in it. And then my mom occasionally would, you know, I would get a Snoopy lunchbox. Or occasionally my mom would get into fancy lunch boxes and one time for a while we had a lunch box that had its own ice pack. Ooh. Yeah. So in other words it kept everything cold. Yeah. So those those are a couple of them. What about you, Patricia? What what do you remember about school? Well <laughs> when I first started school I would think I was the only kid in the whole class who wasn't crying. <laughs> <laughs> I got picked to do a lot of really neat stuff, like take this kid to the right classroom and <laughs> go comfort that one. So it was kind of fun. I really had a good time on that. So generally, I liked school. There was, were was school uh, easy for you? Um, it, until I got uh, well into high school, it it was so easy that I never learned how to study. Uh huh. So that was a challenge for me, learning how to how to study. That's the best I can put it. So, um, did it take you a while to come up with your own system? Yes, it did. Actually, I, it probably didn't. It just seemed like it, it did. I think I probably had, as you did, my own systems all the way through. Right. As you said one time, I could come up with answers and not be able to tell you why right. I came to that conclusion, but knew it was correct, and indeed it was. But it it was such a quick mental process that it wasn't a process. It was, you know, and it's there. So anyway, I I liked school uh, for the most part. I liked school. There were there were parts of it that I could have lived without. But I think everybody has uh, situations like that. Was reading did reading come really easy for you? Yes. Uh huh. It did. Yeah. Very easy, and that was one of the challenges because I was always ahead of the kids. Once yeah. somebody gave me the key to figuring out words and and what they meant and how to sound them out, I mean. I was toast. They gave me books. I was finished with them. <laughs> What's next? Well, we're not finished with the first story. <laughs> so um, it was um, that. That was it, interestingly enough. Reading was one of the biggest challenges because I couldn't do it at the rate I wanted to. So Hello. I discovered libraries very early. Hello there, caller. Hello, Walden. Hello, Patricia. Hi, Jim. Oh, Jim. How are you? Happy September. Right. It's hard to believe that September is here and that the summer, although not officially over, is for all practical purposes in legal senses over. Well, I don't consider it. It's still got 17 more days. 
see, fall starts what the twenty first. Yeah, by the way, I I never knew, figured this out until a few years ago that it seemed like all our season changed either the twentieth or the twenty first every quarter. Right, I know the fall one one year the fall came the twenty third. And, and, yeah. and you know, and of course the times always vary. Sometimes it's at eight forty in the morning, or it might be six thirty in the evening. It was always, and it was always. I don't know if that was local time or east. I guess it was local time, right, in each time zone. I suppose. I don't know. I'm assuming people declare summer. I don't know how did they equinox figure out. Equinox happens. How do we measure the equinox? Yeah. How do we do that? The vernal equinox and the, the summer equinox and. Um, but it's always, but you know, there was all. But we were talking about school. My, one of my memories of childhood, of course, was always when my mother and I would go school shopping. Ah, interesting. What did you get? What, what, well, what? always generally clothes, pants, shirts, underwear, socks, uh, things like that. And I always remember hearing all the commercials on radio, well, radio and television, at various stores for school supplies, you know, they always had, uh, you know, satchels they would have on special or pencils or paper, and of course it was always the excitement of, you always wondered, you know, what your, depending on where we live, we moved a lot, so I was in a lot of different schools, so when we would move, there was always, you know, if we were in a different city each year, there was always that tension about what would your teachers be like, what would the kids be like. Did that bother you, Jim, that almost every year or every other year you had to come up with new friends and everything? Sometimes, sometimes. Uh-huh. But yeah, look, my brother and I were talking about this a few months ago, reminiscing. And in many ways, it was interesting, too, because, you know, seeing different parts of the country had different experiences. You know, it was hard. Some Sometimes the adjustments were hard. But looking back on it, they were always interesting. Each place had a charm of its own. You know, you had people you remember from each place. You, you, of course, there was always being a radio buff. There was always the excitement of turning the radio dial whenever you moved to a new city to see what stations were like and what the formats were like. You can't say that today, but in those days, you, you always had that excitement. And there was always the excitement, too, of, um, like I say, meeting meeting your new teachers and meeting your new uh, things college when I started college in 1980 that was really exciting I remember my first class we weren't sure how I would handle college at first so we took a political science class at the community college I went to and, it, and the professor was very good and you know they, they did good accommodations for me I could record the lectures and we, we had readers that would help me read certain things, and I, I had a note taker too the first the first quarter, and it was that exciting on the first day and and having that experience, and that was fun. Uh, my first you know experience you know growing up, the thing was in some cities, some of the places we lived, I went to public school, and some places it was you know state facilities where you were away from home. It was a little hard. Being away from home, those for you know, in my early school years, because you know, you that fortunately now, most places kids stay in their own communities now. They integrate the kids into. Uh, hang on, just a minute. Sure. They don't go away. We won't, Jim. Yeah. We won't go away. I was. Jim was talking about. I'm back. No problem. Oh, hi. 
Yeah, there was that there was that excitement of that, but you know they they integrate the kids now and they mainstream them, which makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I was thinking because I never had the experience like you did. You had you had to go to boarding school, and I never had that. I I didn't have to. I never had that problem. Right. You know. And I and I and in a way it was you know I, I guess it depended. Uh, when you're young, it's kind of scary, you know, being away from home and. Maybe I'm not. I'm just going to ignore the beeping. No problem. Go right ahead, Jim. And after all, this is yesterday, USA. It has already. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and it was there was that excitement, and uh, and it, it could be hard, but yet again, you know, there was always the excitement too of wondering what books were going to be used. Uh, what I the one thing I didn't like about some colleges was, you know, if the professor changed textbooks, textbooks of course, are always an expensive issue, you know, like especially, I remember I didn't take the class, uh, I switched to something else, but when I was in college, I took a meteorology, I mean, one of the state, the state required two sciences, one lab and one other type of science, and meteorology was one I was thinking about, but the darn book was like, what was it, $70 to buy the book? Yeah, I'm not surprised. And, of course, the recording agency that we used sometimes required copies of the book. Mm-hmm. You know, RFB and D mm-hmm. required two copies of the book, I guess, for proofreading. And, and sometimes that could be a real issue if it was an expensive book. Yeah. And what one time I just Xeroxed a book. You know, I just figure, you know, no one's going to be hurt. Why should I spend... 60 or $70 for, you know, for two books, if the, especially if the professor isn't going to use it each year. Uh, and you know, sometimes you can't always get your books back. And I understand now a lot of kids, uh, I heard a report, I guess it was on NPR last week, about a lot of students now are uh, doing books, you know, some of the books online, you know, like whatever they, what, what you and Mike were sort of talking about last mm-hmm. week too, you know, uh-huh. the type of book. Where you can read it online and not or, uh, and not order a hard copy, right? Mm-hmm. An ebook. Yeah, and I guess that makes I guess that makes it easier for some students that are uh, reading. We didn't have a lot of homework either growing up. Um, we had some, but most of it was based on in class performance, uh, I, I, especially in the early grades. You know, like first, second, third grade. There wasn't a lot of homework. I have a hunch when I went to school, we were pretty much done with the class day by 2 o'clock. I think my my parents, I have to ask, check with them, I think they were in school until 4 o'clock. I wonder if they shortened the period uh, somewhat. I remember when we lived in, in the Whittier area in about 1961, mm-hmm. this was really weird. They We went on half a day. Student, you know, one group of students would go in the morning, mm-hmm. and one group would go in the afternoon. I wonder. I don't know if I guess that was because of overcrowding, maybe. Yep, could have been. But uh, but I remember that my brother went in the morning. I think I went in the afternoon, and I do remember that. And I remember one year in one of the places we lived, they were they they were behind a few days in school because of schedule, some scheduling issue. And to make up a day, we had to go half a day on Saturday one year. Ooh. At the end of the school year. Mm. And it was really weird going to school on Saturday morning. <laughs> you just don't think of Saturday morning as being a 
It's a no school today day. That's the day you wake up. That's an idea for a radio show. Yeah. Well, now, uh, yeah, there was one. I'm just kidding you. There was a show called that once. Now, so, I'm just uh, saying, now I lived in California the, my entire life, as both you know, so I never had a make-up days due to weather. Right. Did you were you guys bummed out when you had to make up a few extra days? That the- happened a few times, you know. Like if if it was snow, like when we lived in when I lived in the St. Louis area, uh, if it snowed really bad, of course the school buses wouldn't run. Mhm. And uh, the, while the, the school may have continued, we would have missed because we were home. Uh, and couldn't get the buses, but sometimes the classes went ahead. Of course, you also missed school a lot because if you had colds or flu or yeah. bronchitis, that always caused missing days. If the school closed down, it was charged against the school, and it was one of the days. Usually schools build into their schedules extra days so that they can afford to lose a snow day or lose a storm day or Got lose it. a no electricity day. But when it's overwhelmed, when you get one snowstorm after another and the schools close down more than the days they've built into the school budget, that's when you start having to make up days somewhere along the line. Something's got to happen. We used to have, you know, the other thing, too, is I noticed that school is starting a lot earlier now than it used to. It used oh my to always start yes. for Labor Day. School never started before Labor Day. That was the mark of the end of the summer. We went to school after Labor Day, either that Tuesday or that Wednesday school started. And I don't know if it's a Southern thing. When I first got to Florida, I was astounded that kids were back in school in August, which is one of our hottest months. It's the worst summer month. And they've got kids out there in full football gear practicing football, and the kids are dropping I mean, it just blew me away. Well, also, they've extended the year. You know, it used to be that the school would get out, school would get out like the last week in May, like in the late 50s, it would get out the last week of May. But they began to expand school into June. I know originally the whole purpose of summer vacation in the, la- in the century, the 1800s and 1900s, so kids could work the farms in the summer. You know, that mm-hmm. was original, the, the original purpose of a three-month. I never thought about that, but that may- does make sense. Yeah, it was an agricultural uh, country, and the kids had to help on the farm. Well, there's been a whole debate now about whether the school year should be full-time or mm-hmm. kids well, take vacation. Should they, you know, should they split it up where kids could take their vacations for a month at a time or whatever? Yeah, now, I'm or just th- two weeks at a time. I was just thinking, though, it, maybe that's why some schools start at 839 for kids to get farm choice done? Maybe, maybe. I know most schools start at, what, 839 o'clock? Something uh, like that. Uh, and most end at two thirty, three o'clock. Uh, sometimes they had, uh, and we never, uh, did you have long recesses when you were in school? Like, I did. Like 20 minutes in the morning or 20 in the afternoon? Or we, did you do one recess in the morning plus your lunch break? We, we got one hour lunch and two breaks. Yeah. About at least 15 minutes each. Mm-hmm. So, we were out running around. What about you, Patricia? Okay. <laughs> what about you, Patricia? Did you go out and play? No. No. We got locked up. <laughs> well, did you have no? When we had we had phys ed, and that was it. When we had recess, if if it was raining and we couldn't do recess, they would lay, they would they would bring us in a room, and we we might listen to records or something, mm-hmm. or they might read to us or some something on that order. Yeah. 
uh, if you couldn't go outside to play. And, of course, the other thing I remember about school, you remember the famous school films you would see where... Well, gosh, um, one I remember the kid a lot, what the instructions that Jimmy the Cricket did. Oh, yeah. And who would ever thought... 37 years later, I'd be knowing Eddie Kill who would do those voices. Right. I mean, my gosh, who would ever thought that was Jimmy, that was Eddie Kill? I, I would, uh... Well, you know, I remember the film, they had films on just about every subject under the sun. Dental care. Yeah, I remember dental care, yeah. They had dental care, they had one on safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I always remember is some of the narrators on these films, and I, I don't know who some of these narrators were, but they they, they talked in this somber tone, like, and I don't know if it was really a film like this, but they would say something like, putting one's fingers near an electric fan can be very dangerous. <laughs> I know precisely what you're talking about, and they were as interesting as watching, as people say, as watching paint dry. Watching what? Watching paint dry or waiting for the toaster to pop up. I mean, it, it did not have spark by any means. None of them had spark. I of course, the other thing was you always remember that those films, even when you try to hear the film, of course, the projector was always noisy. <laughs> Did you guys have roaming teacher? For example, in elementary school, uh, we had a roaming music teacher that would come into our different classes once a week to teach us music. Ah, uh, we had one of them. Did you? I think we might have, yeah. Or two, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I have to give schools credit for, at least in the 50s and 60s, I don't know if it's that way now because of budget issues and all, but they did make an honest effort to give us music appreciation. I mean, the teachers would play records dealing with the classic. Uh, we did we one one in one one year. We devoted a whole quarter to p- covering people like. Uh, Learner and Low. We I remember we listened to the Camelot soundtrack in one of our classes, music classes, and the teacher would talk to us about the play. And as we'd hear the song, she would tell, read probably from the liner notes or the record jacket about what was happening in the story, represent the songs. And we did that with Camelot. We did that with The Sound of Music. So we got an appreciation, you know, of, of the Broadway musical. I remember back in the 1930s, and I think it's uh, music appreciation. With Walter Damrosch. With Walter Damrosch. I don't know, most people may or may not know. This, we do have one show. Every morning, NBC devoted, I don't know, with a half hour, hour, uh, with no sponsors, for Walter Damrosch to take his orchestra and teach classical music. And, and classrooms around the country were invited to turn on the radio and the students, and he basically talked to the students to explain music to them. Well, we had, you know, CBS also had a show, and I've never heard any recordings of it, called the CBS School of the Air. Mm-hmm. And each day would, would cover a different subject. And, of course, we had, in, for example, in the St. Louis area, there was a school station called, uh, there, was a, one of, there was actually a school station that programmed educational programming through the day, and different grades could turn on the radio at different uh, times to listen to this or that. I do remember whenever some important news event happened, like I can remember bringing my radio a couple of times when there was an important space flight, like brought a radio for Wally Sherrar's six-orbit Mercury flight, I remember. And I remember they actually brought a TV into the class for John Glenn's flight. 
Well, in 1951, my mom, uh, they were one of the very first, she was a town of 4,200, and they were one of the very first homes to have television. Mm-hmm. And so when General MacArthur decided to give his address, his farewell address to Congress after Truman let him go, the, his, her whole classroom was dismissed to go home, to go with her to, to watch the farewell address at her house. Wow. Yeah. That was, uh... That's pretty amazing. Well, I do remember they let us watch, uh... We did hear... I can't remember if we watched or heard the Kennedy inaugural address in school. That was pretty regular for me, that every presidential inaugural, the teachers brought TV sets that we would watch as students. Mm-hmm. And also, if there was ever a special that was of interest, the teacher would tell us mm-hmm. to watch something that night if she felt it was something interesting. Like, I remember... When Jacqueline Kennedy did the tour of the White House, you know, with Charles Collingwood, we were told to watch it at home that night. Uh, and the teachers would tell us, you know, about it. Or or something like, uh, oh, what would another example be? If there was a play of some kind. Or when Leonard Bernstein did his, uh, you might, you know, Patricia, you probably remember when Leonard Bernstein did his uh, young people's concerts on television. No, I don't. Well, they were on, like, from the late 50s to, like, the late 60s. He did several a year. No, I did not know that. Okay, it was on CBS. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was another music appreciation show that we that the kids were encouraged to watch. And, of course, I do remember our teacher telling us to watch Mary Martin's Peter Pan when I was, like, in third, second or third grade when Mary Martin did Peter Pan on television. I did not know that either. So sometimes the teachers would, you know, do that. And uh, did you talk about them the next day then, in as of the class? Sometimes we did, uh, especially if it was something really uh, uh, important. We also had a one year we took a magazine called Junior Scholastic. Mm-hmm. It was a recorded. We had a recording of it, but it was also a print magazine. And they had a television columnist, and if there was something interesting on television, it would be reviewed. Of course, by the time we got the recording, the show had already been aired. <laughs> that happens sometimes, you know, because huh. it's out of date. But uh, but we would also discuss uh, things like, uh, of course, you also, do you remember growing up, my weekly reader? No. It was kind of a newspaper for kids. Each huh? grade had it. Um, you remember those, Walden, my weekly reader? I do not, Jim. Okay, well, they, they were very... Patricia and I are just two little babies around here. We, okay, I guess. <laughs> or we missed it. We were deprived, Walden. <laughs> I think so. But it, it dealt with current events, and it also had, you know, like games kids could play, like uh-huh. puzzles and th- things things of that ilk. And that was, they were always done, like, every week. Um my weekly reader, and it, it was a popular thing we, we did in school. Also, they did let us bring radios for the World Series sometimes. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> you know why the teachers wanted to listen. I'm betting that, too. I'm betting that, too. And, of course, in those days, until 1971, all World Series games were day games. They didn't start night primetime World Series games till 71, and then a few years later they started uh, on 
you know, all prime time. But, uh-huh. but it wasn't until uh-huh. 71 that it was a prime time event. I remember as a kid watching several of the space things uh, in classrooms. Right. You know. Um, Battles and things yeah. like that. And... Well, or uh, when the Russians and Americans shook hands in outer space, I remember they they, uh, they took away from a normal classroom to watch that. Yeah, you know, I, those types I think of I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I also remember we used to uh, watch, uh, if, if the teacher would, would also sometimes tell us about, you know, other types of uh, things. We did, uh, we did book reports. I remember we did book reports on books we had read, and sometimes we would give oral presentations. Uh, and that that was always interesting to hear what what students had read that was interesting. Did you do a lot of that growing up? Book reports? No, we always had a book report that we had to turn in at the end of the summer. That was one thing we had to. We were supposed to walk in the door with a book report to prove that we had read at least one book during the summer. But I got away with dust jackets. <laughs> <laughs> You read the first page, the last chapter, and the dust jacket on books that you really didn't want to read, but you sort of had to. Yeah. And uh, then just went back to enjoying the ones that I, I really liked. But, yes, book reports we had to come in with. One year, um, I think my teachers knew I was a pretty much a history buff. Yeah. Um, my history prof- a professor, who was also one of my PE coaches, assigned me to the wall. Study World War One, and I want you to present it to all my different classes. So it was great. I got to get out of certain classes. I had a pretty good excuse. And I said, well, I'll be late for this class this week. I got to go on and do a presentation to this, uh, this my teacher's history class to different kids. See? You, uh, did you, did you ever have, when you did your book reports, though, Patricia, uh-huh. was there any book that you can especially say? Well, in college, maybe. There were a couple in college that I would prefer not to have had to read. Um, actually, I, I probably, they, they were all okay, too. No, I, I don't recall any at all, Jen, that I really would prefer not to have read. There were a lot I would prefer to have put on the bottom of the list. Right. <laughs> not to not read at all. No, I, I don't ever recall that. Isn't that interesting? What a great question. Thank you. Well, text, you know, uh, and again, I'm, I'm not counting textbooks there. I'm only talking about, yeah. um, you know, book, uh, literature books or, mm-hmm. or uh, stuff. What, what I hated in grade school, I have to tell you, I hated Dick and Jane. I never understood <laughs> Dick and Jane. Now, you know, the pre-primers you had to read, like, in first or second grade, first grade, I guess. D-spot run thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Dick. See Jane run. See Spot, and you know he was a rather one-dimensional character because like one, there was a disc jockey here years later who said Dick was a rather one-dimensional kid because he always seemed to be running for some reason. Uh, and I know it was designed originally for pictures, you know, where it didn't do us any good because the teacher would describe the pictures to us. Uh-huh. Oh, Dick, Dick's running, and then uh, the teddy bear fell out of the wagon, and. Uh, 
I got more from the teacher's description than I did from the reading because nobody talks like that. You know, nobody talks that way. Mm-hmm. But they were that, that was a dreadful part of uh, of uh, school school reading. But but then again, you know, I, I guess they were trying to teach reading and yeah. And, but I and I, without getting into the rightness or wrongness of the story. I've heard one thing good, one thing that Harry Potter has done is kids, at least I've heard people say that kids are reading today more than they, you know, it's gotten a lot of kids who might normally not read a book to actually be reading now. Uh-huh. And I don't know, and of course one of the fears when they, when it went to the screen was when, when kids see the uh, screen or see the movie, they might not read as much. What but classic they, books? The book you read in elementary school or high school that you still remember today? I don't remember. Well, see, what did I read in school? I, I, I never. Just, I got thinking. I'm, I can think of three or four right off the bat. Okay. Back. Okay. Um, Tales of Two Cities. Yeah. Huckleberry Finn. Right. Um. Let's see here. I, I Julius Caesar. Right. Uh, those are three off the bat. I can think of there's probably one or two others. Um. How about you, Patricia? Do you remember any required reading of the classics? No. Mm. In, in um, grammar school and high school, they tended to avoid the classics. And you know, that's an interesting question, too. At college, they were very heavy on the classics. I No, I guess in high school as well. Um, we did uh, some Dickens and George Eliot um, you know, a couple of, of those in, in that direction, mm -hmm. and especially the 18th century and 19th century authors. Um, but that was also in college. So I was in a... Shakespeare. We did Shakespeare. Yeah, I was in the advance. Cause they, my counselors knew I was, I was college-bound, and they, they prepped me to be in one of the advanced English classes in high school. Yeah. And one semester, and I think you, Patricia will have loved this class, we were required to choose a famous author and read a, a minimum of six books. By that author? By that author, and then give a, and then write out a major report. Oh. Oh, see, now that's an unguilty. <laughs> have fun and not feel guilty about it. Wow, that's a great one. So we chose, we, uh, I did Mark Twain. Yeah. So that's who I did. Um, so and, good choice. Yeah. I remember one day we were in a, class, a literature class, and uh, I was quoting uh, the, the the creator of Nero Wolf, Rex Stout, once said in an interview or in a letter to a friend that he thought that Huckleberry Finn was probably the greatest American novel. But what was funny, I mean, that must have been a Freudian slip, because I said to my teacher. The, the mystery writer Rex Stout once said that Huckleberry Hound. I slipped and said Huckleberry Hound instead of Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's acceptable. Well, I wonder what other experiences people have to share, whether or not it was a happy time uh, going back to school, whether, um, you know, they had fun shopping for school, clean books, clean pages. So let's see what... Uh, what other people what was that excited? There was always that tension too. I, uh, on the last day of the school year, the teacher would always take the kid. Every student, at least in one of the schools I was in, the teacher would take the student out into the hall to tell them if they'd passed or failed. Oh, oh, 
Well, thank you for not that, that tension, you know, when the kid, when we, you'd walk out, you know, you, and especially, and of course, you would always do it alphabetically, you know, like, or, so as each person left the classroom, you, you, you know, you wondered, it's kind of like when the jury's out deliberating a verdict or something, right. you know. Right, and poor Zimmerman got nailed every time, I huh? I never, I never did that. What they did in California, we had efficiency tests, and it started... In order to pass high school, you're supposed to be good at math, uh, basic standards for math, English, writing, all the basic, and they start testing you in junior high. Mm -hmm. So you basically got six chances to pass these annual tests in order to pass. Well, I blew through everything, um, and that's why, for example, in mathematics, my seventh grade, I would test it out five grade level above above junior high. Whoa. And um, my, uh, they screwed up one time. They gave me the, I, uh, I had a, I think it was a reading test. And they gave me the test and they said I failed. But a couple weeks, uh, a week later, they pulled me aside. They, the, the, no, the school principal called me they, to, call, to call to apologize. They accidentally gave me the advanced reading test, and I passed that. And they curved, and they didn't notice what test I took. So they, oh boy. Was, they graded me on the normal reading test. <laughs> that was a surprise. That was a surprise. Yeah. Well, I heard about a, a story about a, somebody in Oregon, I think it was, who was sight impaired. Mm -hmm. And they used to give you these achievement tests where you would, mar you know, you'd, you mark in the, the pamphlet with the pencil the spot where the question is right. They, these, what are these weird things where you mark the pencil? This guy had Braille problems. He didn't know Braille very well. But he knew he had to take the test, so he would just mark here and there. He didn't even know what he was marking. Oh, wow. You know, he got 100% on the test. <laughs> and he didn't even know what he was marking. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, well Jim, I really appreciate your calling, Jim. You've got some really interesting experiences. Well, you know, it always—it is, and it's always not. You know, and I, I always consider yesterday USA a learning experience. As I told Walden once, like when I listened to Dr. Beale on Sunday nights, uh -huh. it's always a learning experience because I learn something new every week from him. Yeah. Yeah. And he, to me, he, and, and this is meant as a compliment, he sounds like the kind of communications teacher you would have wanted to have had when you were taking a communications class. Mm-hmm. He just knows his stuff so yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Jim. It's always nice talking to you again. At, at la a, uh, we hope to be officially online by next week. We're partially online now, but at least, at least we're... We're getting through the hurdles of the connections, and uh, it's always fun, and uh, I hope both of you have a wonderful Labor Day. You too, Jim. And you be safe, and hooray for the connection. How soon are you going to be connected? Right. Well, I'll let you all know when I'm officially connected. <laughs> okay, Jim. <laughs> Bye -bye. Thank you so much. Jim been out without his computer for two years. Uh, this is crazy stuff. I yeah. mean, uh, this is the kind of stuff that would send most people to the corner with their blankies. Uh-huh. Just to sit in the corner and stay there. Uh, 714-545-2071. We're looking for your back-to-school experiences or school on the first day. And rescuing Walden because, Walden, tonight you are doomed. We have two stump Walden questions tonight. They're both related. And... Um,
You've got 30 seconds. 30. Tell me some more school stories. <laughs> oh, good. You're good. 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 Hello there. Oh, good. Well, you call My back. goodness, somebody is either calling just to rescue you or... Yes. Yes. Yeah, they... I was having phone trouble. I think uh, every time I say we need to rescue Walden, the phone rings. So or there's somebody some... out there who loves Walden. Or somebody's ordering pizza. And they're, they're ordering get... pizza, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't know that you're not a pizza person. That's true. But you haven't said hi yet. So I have two questions. You've got 30 seconds to have someone call in. Then, But I really I have some interesting history stuff from tonight for, from 1945 and 1952, which are the two years for our Fibber McGee and Molly shows. And as a special treat, I'm going to teach people how to bake a cake. Oh, um, that was a song. 1894 style. If I knew you were coming, I would bake a cake. Not one of bake these. Bake a cake. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, what they what people went through to make a cake in 1894 is just mind-blowing, and people did it. So I found it in the Los Angeles Times. I was cruising the headlines on the Los Angeles Times and locked into a story, read the story, and I don't know why this link was there, but it just was, and I clicked on it, and here is this wonderful story about cake baking from... 1894, it was the Los Angeles Times article that ran on June 23rd, and I can tell you how to bake a cake in a wood-burning stove. Wow. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable in the testing routine. So um, we're almost finished with your 30 seconds, 714-545-2071. is doomed. Did you have to walk to school? Yeah, did I have to? Yes. You did? Yes. Oh. And, and walk home. From from little kid stuff, from kindergarten, from kindergarten. Yeah, I walked at kindergarten. And somebody's trying to rescue you. <laughs> Hello, Somebody is trying to rescue you. Isn't this interesting? Whoever is calling, at least stay on long enough to say, hi, I'm saving you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's right from Chicago, right? You know me. Call here. 714-545-2071. Anybody out there? You can Is give anybody me a, out there? A, well, a, I can tell you Jerry in Washington and Nolan Kenner in Florida are not there. They actually sent notes and said they wouldn't be able to listen this weekend because they were doing family things. That does which, not count. That doesn't count because Patricia and I are here. Well, I, I know, but I, know. I thought that was really sweet that yeah, two of nice. them sent notes that they wouldn't be listening. <laughs> um, Jerry doesn't call very often, but That's he true. has called a couple of times, and Nolan usually calls, and we would wonder where Nolan is. That's and we true. haven't heard from Ray in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I think we missed Ralph last week. He was out with friends My or friends, was yeah. recovering from visits with friends, right. and we didn't hear from Ron last week. So we have a whole bunch of people we need to catch up with. So give us a call, 714-545-2071. We have lots of trivia. If you're a first-time caller, you automatically get a CD with your favorite shows. I will find your favorite shows and fill up a CD for you and send it to you. First-time caller, if you call us and you're introducing yourself, it's a CD time. And then you get to play trivia with us, too. And trivia, our correct question at trivia, also gets a CD. A correct question at trivia for Walden 
is going to be super. Are you ready? Alden. Did I bore you? No. We're going to try and delay us just by 10 more seconds and see if anybody will give us a call at Poor Walden. Walden is due. He needs rescuing. 714-545-2071. And he's going to start whimpering. Okay, here you go, Walden. <laughs> <laughs> You're a whole lot better puppy than the horse I heard in the Sherlock Holmes <laughs> show yesterday. I need to tell you about those shows. Oh my gosh, Walden, well, you are so lucky. Hello there. Well, this time you got more than just a dial tone, didn't you? <laughs> true. Who is this, please? Well, this is John, and I thank you for whoever it was that sent the CDs and uh, a little write-up about Luigi. Oh. It is Patricia. I sent them. Hi, John. How are you? I'm all right. Rescuing Walden. We appreciate that. <laughs> I uh, I went to school down near Cape Canaveral in Florida. Mm. Oh, wow. I was in elementary school in around 1955. I think I was in first grade. And what might have been different for us is we were we were really concerned that uh, we were going to get vaporized in the oh, uh, that's right. nuclear explosion. And we had a lot of uh, exercises of duck and cover, and we saw films about what would happen when the bomb went off. Yeah, as, as if crawling under a desk was going to prevent injury from an atomic attack. Well, that's right. Wow. Were you, were you doing the, the diving under the desk with the hands behind your head and all sorts of things like that? We did, and I think part of that might have been the fact that we also had hurricanes, but of course we wouldn't have school if they were going to be there, but uh, I think we still practiced that anyway. Wow. Did it scare you that you had to go through those exercises and what they were telling you as the reason for those exercises? I, I guess it did. I think that as, as children, we, you know, you probably don't really think of death the way maybe uh, we might have if we were older. But I think we were aware that that the Russians were, uh, the Russians were there, and that we may very well uh, have an exchange with them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's the thing I remember, which might have been different from some other places. Although I'm sure other parts in the country had the same thing. Yeah, because I guess they even ran, what, PSA, public service announcement on uh, in broadcasting. Yes, they did. There are a couple of websites I've come across, uh, places with old-time radio and old media. YouTube has some with pictures and film clips of the exercises that kids went through. Um, you know, and, and, and in hallways, they would they would um, pack them into hallways, and they'd huddle and put their hands behind their heads. I mean, what a scary thing kids went through. How did they ever decide that that would be any kind of protection for them? Well, I guess kids uh, kids are resilient. Um, also, remember that we had neighbors that built bomb shelters in their backyard which later on became all sorts of other things. I think one of the biggest things that people turned them into later was uh, photography dark rooms. <laughs> I wondered what they did with those things. It's also, when you talk about a nuclear winter that's going to last for 400 trillion years, you wondered what these people were going to do after they crawled out of their four weeks in the bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. Was anything going to be around them and left? It's interesting. Hard to build in, in Florida. How did you build a bomb shelter in Florida? They would have to be above ground. 
They were. There'd typically be a concrete block structure, and then you would uh, you would build it on the ground, but then you would bring in soil and bank it up. Uh huh. I was just thinking. Um, just think during the uh, blitz when the Germans were bombing English, a lot of a lot of people lived underground. Yes. Yes, I they, they my, took to the subways. I and, think they said, I think my friend uh, Bill Davis, who was a senior in England, who was going to Miller, that's what he remembers spending several nights down there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had the subway system back then. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 The underground. Yeah. The underground in Britain. Do you remember your first day of school? I remember being very upset when my mother walked off and left me there. Do you? Oh, you were one of the kids who really got upset about that. How long did that last? I mean, you had to go back and do it the next day. I think that was a one-day thing. And then it was cool? Mm-hmm. All right. How about preparing for school after first grade when you had the, the separation routine and you had to leave family behind? When you went back to school in, in either elementary school or high school, what did you shop for? What did you prepare for? What subjects were you looking forward to? What ones did you dread? I guess when it comes to elementary school, I don't really remember that much about it. Uh, I know that we were in a small little town that for, uh, for going back to school, we used to go to Orlando to, do, to buy clothes, and that would have been about a 50, 60-mile trip. Wow, yes. So things were, the, the towns along the East Coast down in that area were, were really quite small back in those days. They really were country places. That's right, yeah. It was, uh, actually there was a lot of cattle that was raised in that area. Florida was the first cattle producing state in the nation. Uh, how about that? About that. Did you know that? Actually, it was before Florida was a state. It is the first cattle producing for for uses other than roaming free on the range. Uh, first cattle producing state or area in the United States. Mm-hmm. We're number one. We're number one. <laughs> I think they still rank pretty high as far as cattle. Uh, uh, the last I checked, we were number nine and probably have fallen a little bit behind on that as well. But it's strictly cow-calf operations here. They don't sell beef cattle, and they sell uh, the calves. So they, they have calving operations and then auction the calves. So um, we're not selling bambies, but <laughs> these beautiful little creatures with these gorgeous eyes go off to be uh, grain-fed in some of the Midwestern states. And... Um, what the people eat on their plate in New York may have started in Florida. One of the things I wonder about from elementary school, I remember all of my teachers as being very old. And they probably weren't. They might have been 30 years old. I don't know. I, I, I remember them as being very old women. Um, Did you have any men teachers? Uh, not in elementary school. Um, I think they were all women. Uh, there might have been a man. Yeah, no, no. I think there were all women. What would you have looked for in what would you consider a young teacher, and what did you see in the teachers you had that made them look old to you? Well, I guess when you're five years old, anything above twenty is pretty old, right? <laughs> Your mom is old because she gets to tell you what to do. Right. So anybody who looked older than your mom, I guess, would have qualified. That's interesting. Okay, you want to play trivia tonight? I'm sorry? Do you want to play trivia tonight? I can try. All right. Would you like, I still have a whole bunch of sidekicks. 
like who was the sidekick to this main character. Um, we had one, like Mike Clancy was Mr. Keene's assistant. And then we have some plain old vanilla questions. Well, I may not do very well, so give it a try. Well, we'll find one in here for you. Oh, here's a good one. Products. Name the three characters on this box of Rice Krispies. Uh, that was Snap, Crackle, and Pop, wasn't it? Oh, you got nice. it. And oh, I think nice. it still is. Snap, Crackle, and Pop still hanging around on boxes, Walden? I think so. Long I pour cereal milk into it, it's like the Snap, Crackle, and Pop routine. <laughs> Snap, Crackle, and Pop. <laughs> I just wanted to know if the cereal <laughs> characters were still around. But um, if it's still snapping and crackling and popping, I guess they are. All right. Well, see, that wasn't too difficult, was it? Oh, tell me if you've ever heard of Ping, Pong, and Pai Lai. Ping, Pong, and Pai Lai? I'll give you a hint. It was a drink. that goes Ping and Pong in my brain, but I can't Pai Lai it. Go ahead. Give me my hint. I think Ping was pineapple grape. Pong was pineapple orange. And Pai Lai was pineapple lime. In, oh my goodness, no, I, I did not. That one's off my screen. Wow. In what, in what context? Was this jello or ice cream? Oh, it was, it, they came in metal cans. Uh-huh. We're getting those uh, in my lunch when I went to school. So it, it was fruit or juice? It was fruit juice. It was fruit juice. Hmm? Nope. I, Walden, have you ever heard of that? Well, I was just trying to remember, I think when John was describing, I guess it'd be the metal cans, right, with the... Uh, with the tabs that you two open. No, I don't think tabs have been invented. I believe we had to have a church key with those things. Wow. So. Wow, I did not did know you, that. Did you have one of them in your lunchbox, or did the teachers keep it? No, I just remember that was something that I, I think my mother packed them. Wow. And I remember having those for, for a couple of years, and then uh, it's something that's disappeared off the... Yeah, what, what I, didn't ask, I didn't ask my question correctly. I apologize. Was it the teachers who kept the church key, or did your mom put it in your lunchbox for you? I don't remember. I really don't. <laughs> huh. Wow. That, that is really neat. Wow. Now, were you in school when the space program was geared up? Oh, yes. Was there anything special about being in a school that was near Cape Canaveral? Well, anytime there was a launch, we would all go outside and watch it. And we were close enough that when we would hear the rumble, uh, it would be clearing the trees. You could actually hear it. Wow. Yes. Oh, how exciting. We could hear it and we could feel it. Do you recall how many of the shots you got to see? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess probably 20 or 30 of them. There were quite... In the early days of Cape Canaveral, there were a lot of launches. Um, only the civilians ones were the ones that we knew about in advance, and that would have been things like Gemini, Titan, uh, Mercury, but the, all of those DOD launches, which would have been the uh, Titans and Atlases and things like that, they, were, uh, they weren't announced, so we never really knew when they were, although there was one telltale sign, and that is if we would go down to the beach at night, we could see the lights up at Cape Canaveral that would be lighting up the missile while it was on the gantry. Ah, okay. And we knew something was coming, but it may have still been, you know, several days in the future, but we always knew something was getting ready. Now, not every shot was a success. Some of them blew up. One of them, um, am I correct, that having read that one of them actually blew up before it even took off? Uh, 
see that would be if you were at the beach. Uh, then you could see that. Otherwise, if you were inland, which is where we were in school, we couldn't see any of that. You could not. Oh. Well, boy, you sure had a piece of excitement that not very many people did. Well, it's one of those things you don't think of it, you know, until you're talking to someone else. That was just normal life. And it'd be like a, a kid that was born up on a farm. He got to drive a tractor. <laughs> and I never did, so. Right. You are so right. And some kids who grew up in Buffalo, New York, got to shovel snow. Right. <laughs> you don't have to shovel sunshine in Florida. Well, okay. I'm going to hit the hay, and I'm sorry that I just can't stay up as late as you folks do. I admire that you can talk and, and carry on, but... Uh. <laughs> One more chore. I, I need to send you a CD. What shows would you like on a CD? Oh, dear. Uh, I, I can't think of anything right now. If I do, I'll send you a note, but... Uh, send me, good. Send me an email and tell me which shows you enjoy, and I will drop them on a CD and send them to you. Well, you know, there was a there was a series, I don't know how long it went, it was called Granby's Green Acres. Had you ever heard of that? Yes. Certainly did, and I found it for somebody. Well, I've only been able to find five episodes. I think there may have been more, but those five are, are for sale, and I've, I bought those. And those are like the first five wow. and six. And I don't know that I've ever seen any place to get anything beyond episode six. Um... I'm, I'm looking here, and I don't even think I saved them. <laughs> However, I will see what I can do about it. I'm pretty good at digging stuff up. Well, let me see what I can come up with. And if I can't top five shows, I will get in touch with you and ask you for an alternative. But I'm getting pretty good. I haven't failed recently. You surprised me that you dug up that red dwarf stuff. Ah, uh, you were surprised. <laughs> it was not an easy thing to do. <laughs> I said to Walden, is there really that kind of a shit? He said, yes, there really is. And I said, well, okay, if it's out there, I'll find it. And yeah. I did. I didn't find an awful lot. How many shows did you wind up with? Um, I'm thinking about a half a dozen. Uh, I thought I had, oh gosh, I thought I did a better job than that. Um, well, there was a puzzle. I noticed the return address wasn't from Florida, so I'm not sure how you did that. Because... But... <laughs> <laughs> um, You've got, let's see, you've got three separate, you've got Better Life with 12 episodes, Backwards with eight episodes, Red Dwarf, The Last Human with um, episodes. So. Oh, so that's, so I, I have to tell you, I haven't played all of them. I, I've played a couple of them, and I didn't realize that It's a Better Life was more than one episode. I thought that was one one show that was in several parts, so. Oh, now see, I, you're, you probably know this a lot better than I. I've, I've draw, I downloaded it as 12 episodes of a, of a show that this was, the show was Better Than Life, and these were all the episodes that fit under that column. Um, there are more out there, but they refused to be digested by my computer. So if I, can, if I can find more that download properly, I will send them to you. But I'm telling confessions here, I didn't listen to them. <laughs> well, uh, I'm This is a 20-minute show, first, so... The very first one was, to me, was embarrassing, but the other ones were very good, so... <laughs> 
see, this is my introduction to these things. Um, this one is a 16-minute show. The other one is 19. So these are probably episodes, all episodes that come together under the umbrella of Better Than Life, and the next one is Red Dwarf Backwards and Red Dwarf, The Last Human. So, all right, you have to tell me what's in these things because I didn't listen to them, and I'll see if I can uh, dig around and find more, and by golly, I will find some grand beef. <laughs> okay. Well, if it's beyond episode six, because I've oh, those. Right. From, from, you want number six on? Uh, I need to go back and look at, I think I stopped at six. I believe I do have that first six of them. Okay, from... And the interesting thing, there are two cast members who are still alive from that show. Really? Who? Our friend Louise Erickson, who was the uh, second Marjorie of the Great Girl Story, she was the uh-huh. girl. And Michael Rye, or Rye Billsbury, who was the uh, young the young love of hers, is lives in uh, Hancock Park near Frank Brzee, and uh, he was Mr. First Snyder on the Mr. First Snyder radio show. So oh, my goodness. He was also Jack Armstrong during the war. So, anyway, there's two cast members who are still alive from that show. That's so exciting when... When I get to hear something like that, and you know it. Walden knows everything, John. If you ever have a question, call Walden. And I'm going to stump him tonight and, and be able to say, he doesn't know this one, he doesn't know this one. But in the meantime, you rescued him. Thank you, I'll give you one you can mull around. See if you can remember the name of the lodge that Bertie the maid on Gildersleeve belonged to. Do you ever remember hearing that? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Um, Oh dear, it's been a while. It was something like Daughters of Cleopatra. Or... Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, John. Something with Cleopatra is in the title. That was. Yeah. You are good. I never would have remembered that, yeah. and I heard it several times. You know, she would come in and say, "Is it all right if I leave early tonight, Mister mm-hmm. Gildersleeve, because I've got a lodge meeting?" That's I remember right. that. Yeah. But you're good. You would have gotten me on that one. How about uh, Kingfish Stevens? What was the name of his lodge? Oh, that was um, the the brother. The uh, midnight. Let's see. Uh-uh. Oh, oh! I have to take off my headset to think here. Uh, some Columbia's night to the um, midnight sea. No, midnight sea. First Columbia. word was mystic. Mystic nights. Mystic nights of the. And he was the king fish. Something sea. Uh, midnight. I think it was Mystic Nights of the Sea. Just the plain sea. I think you're right. I think it's, yeah. yeah, And it was George Kingfish Stevens. And last week we asked uh, what Andrew H. Brown's middle name was, or it was the week before, and Harwood got it. Do you remember that one? Oh, what what was it? (laughs) (laughs) Hubert? Pardon? Hubert? No, we we went through all of the H's. It is Hogg, H-O-G-G, Andrew oh. Hogg Brown. And Harwood got that one. He called in and got that one. So that that was a great question, and he just popped right out with the answer on that one. So. Well, there was a governor of Texas, and his last name was Hogg. And this is true, and I'm going to tell you, he had a daughter. <clears throat> oh, no. Her, her name was Ima. Oh, no. Is it really true? I've seen that. Oh, you can Google it. Oh, what an ugly thing to do to a kid. I thought you were going to say Peggy, and people called her Piggy. (laughs) (laughs) That's dreadful. We've seen that listed out as terrible names people gave their kids. I thought it was a joke. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that someone had actually done that. Oh, dear. That's not I'm nice. going to bid you good night. Good night, John. Thank you, John. Have a great night. And thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there's our buddy John from Florida. Who gave 714-545-2071. And Walden is about to be doomed. So no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I hear the phone. Thank oh, you. See, you know, somebody is out there making fun with us. I say, save Walden. The phone rings, and that's the end. And not fair. You really do have to save Walden. If you call, you have to save him with conversation and answering questions with us. So here comes your question, Walden. Two-part question. Are you ready? Are you there? You ran away? Walden ran away. Poor Walden. Are you scared? <laughs> okay, two-part question. Mr. and Mrs. North. Yes. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. First names of Mr. and Mrs. North. What were their first names? Pam and Gary. Very good. Oh, gosh, you get a gold star. Now, there's a second part to this question. This is the one that I, I, if you were going to get one of them, the names I thought maybe you would know. And then, boy, you did. You're good, you know? Thank you. All right, here's the second part. Played by Joseph Kuhn and uh, Alice Foss. Um... Now, 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 (laughs) we have a second part to the question. Are you going to keep talking? Go ahead. You keep talking. No, 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 no. Go ahead. No. I'll just sit in the corner. I loved it. One week I asked you a question, and you just kept answering the first one, and you kept going and going and going, and you didn't get to the second half. The second half of that question is, what did Jerry North do for a living? He was a publisher. um, uh, A publisher. This is incredible. You weren't supposed to know that one. Well, uh... How did you know that? I, I wasn't to a few of the shows, and we were doing when we were doing research looking for um, radio shows to redramatize. That's one of my that's one of my nominations. So I found the gentleman who owned the rights to it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's twenty three books, twenty twenty three books available in the series, and he had the rights. So uh, so I done a lot of work on that. Um, it's a good series. It's a good, good series. It was a fun series. Yeah. I, uh, it, it was a fun series. It was just, you know, it's amazing how many shows we have that made entertainment out of murder. Mm-hmm. We were entertained by all of the detectives who had dead bodies. Well, you know, and I think it's interesting how they played it. Mm-hmm. Some did it with a little humor. I think Richard Diamond, uh, Sam Spade, the Saint, fall in that category. Mm-hmm. And then you had the hard-boiled, the Philip Marlowe. Um, well, Sherlock Holmes was sort of scientific. Um, you know, then you know, then you sort of had. I, I don't know what, what category you put the Falcons in, or some of those. Um, but. That was not hard-boiled. No, but it was campy. It it was straight entertainment, and it involved a mystery or a murder, usually Mm -hmm. a murder. Right. Um, With Philip Marlowe, he was just streetwise, rough and tumble. I believe, however, he was the character who 
loved classical music. I mean, he had a profile that was so distant from the character he portrayed. But he was... Uh, Let me throw a question for the audience. I know uh-huh. I know my, uh, my friend Patricia will be thank- thankful that I didn't ask her. <laughs> if I know the answer, can I tell her? Oh, of course. If I know the answer, I'm going to faint. It's going to be like... Um, Bill Buckley, the first thing I'll do is, if I'm elected mayor, is ask for a recap. That's right. I want to know who played the very first Philip Marlowe in the first Philip Marlowe radio series in summer 1947. Oh. And, and the crew, everybody, he was an Oscar award-winning movie star. I was going to say Edward... Um, well, Edward G. Robinson did no, Big no, no, Town no, in the 30s. Robinson. Um, oh, gosh, one, the one who played uh, Johnny Dollar. Uh, nope. None of those guys. None of those guys? None of those guys. Scratch that one. Okay, yep. I give up. Pepsi and Toothpaste with the sponsor the summer of 1947. He won the Oscar in 1942 or so during the war. I want to know who played the very first Philip Marlowe. And I said no because I have listened probably to more Philip Marlowe's than he... Yeah, I and, know more than the average bear. And he was a radio actor by trade before he... Made it big in the movies. Mm-hmm. So. Not John Gargan. Nope, not not um, not none of the, with a voice. Somebody not, with a voice. Not not Emma O'Brien or John Glenn or any of those Johnny Dollar guys. Somebody totally different. Oh dear. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> we'll throw that to the audience. I didn't ask Patricia that, so that's. Uh, all right, Patricia. That's one question down. You got any more for me? No. <laughs> I thought I really had you with the... You know, and, you know, I talked to our friend Patricia last night, and she, or well, evening for her, late afternoon for me, and she, she, she was pleased. She found it. She was going to... She was going to stump you with this one. Uh-huh. She absolutely thought, yep. notice I'm talking about me in the third person. <laughs> It will distance me from the responsibility of having bombed on my question. I really thought I would get you with the book publisher, but you knew that. I need to do an interview with Walden and find out all of the associations he has had over the years, and then I'll look for other shows. (laughs) If indeed there are any. (laughs) You are too funny. Okay, I'm going to give out some trivia questions. People can call. They don't have to rescue you any longer. And um, maybe we can give away some CDs tonight. Let's we do can it. give away a CD if you're a first-time caller. Or you can oh, go. That would be cool. Or you can give us a call and talk about school. School days. School days. Yeah, yeah that would be really cool. Um, trivia. Gee, I had two trivias here. Trivia, new questions. Got that. I had um, two trivias. Trivia for tonight. That was it. Okay, there we go. Okay, we have some sidekicks and we have some straight questions and we need to know about your school days. What did you do? What didn't you do? What did you love? What did you hate? Do you remember going back after summer vacation? Do you remember your first day in school? What did you buy for school supplies? Did you carry a book bag? Did you carry a backpack? Did you carry anything at all? Did you study? Did you play hooky? Who played hooky? Did you ever play hooky? I kind of I, I abandoned a, a research class, I mean a PE class. I thought I was done for the day, so I, w- I went a- I went off early, so I had to had to make it up. So I. He get, well, that's not really words, playing hooky. Playing hooky is 
Really cutting um, it. You know, just skipping school. Yep. Unauthorized, no hallway pass, principal doesn't know. <laughs> well, the time, the time when I've done that, my folks know, so. We had, <laughs> I had to go to high school by bus, and it was, oh, at least an hour trip. Mm-hmm. And there were a whole bunch of, I say a whole bunch of us, there were three of us who kind of palled around together. Right. And they wanted to play hooky. And I was Charlie Chicken. I was such a chicken. I'm still a chicken. I mean, I don't, I don't do things because I'm not sure if I do it because it's the right thing or because I'm afraid I'm going to get caught. <laughs> Maybe it's a mixture of both. I hope it's because I do the right thing. But they wanted to play hooky. And I said, no, I, I can't do that. They had this all planned. So we're almost to school. They had it, they had it all figured out with the bus driver, who was really a neat person. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he took care of the kids on the bus. And they had it arranged that he would let them off about a mile from school. And then in the afternoon, they had to be at that spot, and he would pick them up on the way back. Oh, they good would go home grief. on the bus. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, this is wow. really scary. The only problem was the bus driver got sick, and the owner of the bus company drove the bus that afternoon. Wow. Kids were left on the corner because you couldn't tell the owner of the company that his bus driver had made arrangements for the kids to play hooky. So they had to call their parents to come pick them up. They couldn't get home because the bus went right past them. And that, I mean, you could just see them on the street corner watching the bus go by. But what was your thought when you drove by? Oh, I, my heart just sank. And um, when I got home, I thought, if you were with them and your father had to come pick you up, it, I mean, he wouldn't have had to bother. I would have thrown myself in the river because he would have killed me anyway. <laughs> um, it, it was just, I could not believe it. I don't know what kind of, I guess there were three of them and one of me. There were four of us. There uh-huh. were two of them were sisters. Uh-huh. And one, it, and it, it was really interesting. One was a senior, one was a junior, one was a, a sophomore, and one was a freshman. And um, I didn't go. I just, I, I no, I, I can't do that. I mean, I, I just, I just wouldn't do it. So they had a wonderful day. You know, they had lunch out. They went shopping, (laughs) (laughs) waited for the bus, and watched it go by. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what their thoughts was when they saw the bus go on by, huh? Oh, my goodness. Their faces were just, they just blanched. (laughs) So I I don't recall how they got home. I'm, I'm guessing because one set of parents were a little bit more open minded than the other that probably that one's father came and picked them all up because they lived fairly close together. But um, I got I got rescued because I did the right thing. I thought, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. So I didn't. Wow. wow. And then we had Robert Goulet, who played golf at the golf course that was parallel. You know, the, the property line to our school mm-hmm. was a golf course. Oh. And Robert Goulet was out there playing um, playing golf and there were an awful lot of this was an all girls school by the way and uh, you know, seeing somebody like Robert Goulet even at that time um, playing golf they wanted to go meet him and get his autograph <laughs> come on come on you gotta go with us you gotta go with us and, no I can't do this I can't do this do you know not only did they go but they got away with it because they came back with an autograph for the principal. 
Oh my goodness gracious, that's the way to play the game. Now, can you believe no. it? And, uh, you know, there I was, Charlie Chicken, saying, no, 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 I can't go, I can't go. Mm-mm, mm-mm, can't do that. And they did. I mean, they just took off. Didn't you tell me that Van Clyburn played at your school one time? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Private, um, private, with no orchestra, no nothing. Um, we, we were scheduled to attend a concert, and we got fogged in, and he learned that the, um, the music students weren't able to go. So on his way back to wherever he was going, he made arrangements and showed up and gave a private recital, which was just staggering. I, would I mean, say it, it just so. blows me away to think about that. Yeah. What an extraordinary person to do that. Wow. Amazing. Wow. And